if you would find in find Matthew chapter number two in your Bibles, Matthew chapter number two. <clears throat> we were in Matthew one for a good number of weeks. <clears throat> Went, uh, jumped over and and had a little um, section out of Luke and back into Matthew chapter two. <clears throat> Matthew ch- Matthew two. While you're getting there, let me pray for us. <clears throat> Lord, <clears throat> excuse me. Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, as um, uh, as already has already been said this morning, thank you more than anything that Jesus was born, that he came. Um, he came to be one of us. He didn't. He didn't come in any high circumstance, and uh, as he as he could have, and and. He didn't ride in, in in glory, but he came as a young baby and one that is in every way like us, <clears throat> except without sin, of course. Lord, you can relate to us. You can relate to everything, everywhere we are at. You can relate to our hurts. You can relate to our, our pains. You can relate to our joys. You can relate to... Um, losing loved ones and you can relate to um, rejoicing when loved ones come in to the kingdom so thank you for coming and for being everything that you were while you were on the earth and everything that you are for us today Lord, I ask as, as we open the word this morning pray that you'll use me speak to us speak through me Lord, use your, your holy word, your scripture that you left to us um, to help us to learn more about you and to, to shape us and to mold us so that we can look more like Jesus. <clears throat> and Lord, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me read this passage first. It's just a, it's just a, a dozen verses or so, and then we'll... We'll go back through it again together. Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 1. <clears throat> Excuse me. I need to kill that frog in my throat, or drowned it, one of the two. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been the born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for this child. And when you've found him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I, I love how sometimes the writer does that and puts a whole lot of adjectives in there. Rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. You know, I think of... Uh, you know, the thank you very much appreciate it Lynn. Yeah. you know just um uh last week uh we had what they call the bethlehem star uh many of you all probably saw that uh saturn and, and jupiter um came really really close together and we, we were actually able to it was very cloudy that night and so it kind of came in and out and we didn't get to view it for very long, but we were able to put the telescope on it for just a few minutes and uh, and see it was really pretty. He got to see Saturn and its rings and Jupiter and a few of its moons. And, and people think that that may have been 
something that could have contributed to these wise men who came to find Jesus. Now, I will say people aren't sure. They don't exactly know what if the star was a, a comet, a wandering star, this conjunction of Jupiter, Jupiter and Saturn. But God brought a star. The heavens rejoiced to see the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. The heavens rejoiced so much that there were magi. Well, we, we call them magi. They're actually wise men or, or really astrologers who were in the east who saw this, this heavenly um, scene, if you will, because they, they studied the stars. And when they, they saw this star, a lot of times they, they recognized that a star would mean the birth of a ruler. Or sometimes even they would see a star or a comet, something in the heavenlies, and say, oh, we're going to have a change of rulers. Or they, but they, they looked at the signs in the heavens. And, of course, I think sometimes the signs were not really signs, but they did interpret it in that way. But they, these magi were from Persia area, so around the place of Iran. And they saw the signs in the heavens and made the trek uh, which probably would have, it was four to five hundred miles, would have taken them uh, between four and six weeks to get to Bethlehem. Actually, they went to Jerusalem first. They realized that there would be a new uh, ruler coming out of, of Israel. Which, by the way, um, I don't know if you know um, that there was a, I'll say a tradition. Uh, we know, I believe it was a, actually God doing this, but um, even a Roman historian, uh, Suetonius, um, who wrote a book, uh, The Lives of the Caesars, uh, the biography on Vespasian said, an ancient superstition was current in the East that out of Judea would come the rulers of the world. So there was even a, an idea from Rome that there would be the this world ruler that would come out of Judah. So it was it was well it was it was known at different in different locations, and, then, and God had just made this known. And of course, if you go back, we we all can look at the Old Testament and say, ah, it's right there, it's right there, it's right there. But even even Gentiles, even people from Rome, even you know in. Persia, one of the places where Jews now are the most despised, one of the places in the world where Jews are despised the most, they were some of the first to go and to visit this newborn baby. Of course, we don't know exactly how old Jesus was when this happened. More than likely, he was uh, maybe a little shy of two years old. They had stayed in Bethlehem. Again, we don't know. We're kind of going by what Herod said. And uh, some of the different things that we know, uh, but it, it we from the story we do know that it wasn't right after it wasn't like the twelve days after Jesus was born, okay? Which you know the twelve days of Christmas it wasn't that. It was probably more between he was one and two years old. He was a young child. They they had stayed in Bethlehem. But let me get into the uh, passage a little bit more. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi arrived from the east, uh, arrived in Jerusalem. Now, right off the bat, Matthew makes a huge juxtaposition, a huge contrast, a huge um, uh, like night and day uh, contrast here. Remember, what, what did we go over in Matthew 1? Does anybody remember what was in Matthew 1? The genealogy, thank you. Think of the genealogy as um, uh, patents or patents. Had, did anybody uh, ever see the movie um, A Knight's Tale? Oh, no, you didn't see the movie? Said, what was it, in, in the uh, probably late 90s or so? Um, this is going to fall flat because nobody's seen the movie. But uh, it was about a, a guy who was um, pretending to be a knight and, and jousting. And every time he went into the jousting competition, you had to provide a genealogy to make sure that you were actually of, um, of uh, noble blood to be a knight, right? 
So you had to you had to provide. Oh, I'm you. I was born of so and so who was born of so and so who was born of so and so who was born of so and so, and that gives me the right to be a knight because I was of noble blood. Well, this is the no, noble noble blood of Jesus, which is what Matthew presented in Matthew one. This is his lineage. This is the lineage of the king. And then Matthew says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod. The king. Really interesting. And then he, he says it again a couple of verses later. Herod the king. Let me tell you a little bit about Herod. Herod was king of, of the area, but he got to be king because he was, uh, well, he, he got in favor with Rome. Let me just put it that way. He, he bribed and bought and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, sidled up against, you know, the... Um, the emperors and manipulated, good word, um, you know, the, the rulers in Rome, and they made him king over Judea. He was not a Jew. He was a, an Edomian, which means he was, he was a half, if you will, a half-breed. He had some Jewish blood, but he, really, he, wasn't, he wasn't Jewish. And um, this happened to be later in his life. Uh, Herod died around uh, 4 B.C., um, and so this is probably, if, if we believe that Jesus was born, uh, you know, 4 to 5 B.C., or maybe between 4 and 7 B.C., this is late in Herod's life. Now, as a king, quote-unquote, I'm going to say, with Herod, you're going to want to say, okay, who's going to be the next king after me? Right? So he's, he's looking at that. He's, he's wondering, okay, who's going to be the king? And all of a sudden, you've got these magi, these wise men, these astrologers from the east who come to Jerusalem, because where else would you go? Right? You go to the capital city. Right? They go to Jerusalem and say, hey, we heard that there's a new king born. And Herod scratches his head. Say, oh, you tell me about it. Let me tell you a little bit more about Herod. Herod was a despicable person. Absolutely terrible. He, so Herod had uh, ten wives. Um, he, uh, he had one of his wives executed, his mother-in-law, his brother-in-law, multiple sons executed. In fact, this brought um, uh, Caesar Augustus to say, I would rather be one of Herod's pigs than one of his sons because he was, he was such a, a tyrant that he, um, you, you never knew if he would get jealous and kill you. He was, but he was so bad, he did try to get into um, good favor with, with the uh, Jewish population around the area. So he did make multiple buildings, and some of were to other gods and temples and, and palaces. Uh, one of his great claims to fame um, is that he restruck, uh, refurbished um, the temple in Jerusalem and made it beautiful. Absolutely, incredibly beautiful. One of the seven wonders of the ancient world. They say that when you approach Jerusalem, you can see the temple gleaming in all of its gold on the hill. I mean, absolutely incredible. Now, he didn't do that because he was in love with God, Yahweh. He did it because he wanted to try to get favor with the Jews. Because he was such a terrible person, everybody hated him. And so he said, I'll do something nice and maybe they'll like me. Not sure it really worked, but, you know, it does say, you know, when the Magi came that Herod was, he was all up in an uproar and all Jerusalem with them. Probably all Jerusalem because if Herod was upset, they knew that they could get, you know, axed or killed or or something along, you know, if he got mad, it could be really bad for everybody else. So you have Herod, who is an awful, despicable person. By the way, this is um, Herod the Great. His son is the next Herod. He's the one that had John the Baptist killed, beheaded. Um, his grandson is the one that um, had James um, killed in the book of Acts and was, um, if, if you remember, it says that uh, he didn't give God glory after making a speech and his bowels fell out and he was eaten in, by worms and died. So that was Herod's grandson. So that's, that's your lineage of Herod's and all the wonderful people that they were. 
So, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, tongue-in-cheek, I believe, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, here's another juxtaposition, another grand conflict that, that Matthew puts in here. First of all, you've got, the, you've got Matthew just presented the lineage of the true Davidic king, and you've got Herod the king. Then you've got these rulers from Persia who are Gentiles who came to worship the true king and go to Herod. And Herod says, okay, well, let's find out where this king is. So Herod, Herod calls in the, the scribes and, the, and the, um, uh, the, all the, the, you know, the chief priests, and they say, okay, where's the king supposed to be? Because we've got these guys inquiring, and I, I would like to go worship him. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? We know what happened later. So what's amazing is they go back and they find the passage out of Micah 5 that says he'll be born in Bethlehem. Which we know is exactly what happened. But what do they do? Nothing. Here you've got the Jews who have been looking for the Messiah for how many generations since David? They knew that there would be a great king that came. They knew a worldwide ruler. They knew a kingdom that would never end. They knew that that the, the redeemer king, the shepherd of Israel from God would come and be born in Bethlehem. And here they have people saying, it's the king, the king has come. Where is it? Let's find it. Oh, let's go to scripture. It's right there. They interpret it right. They knew it. They've got it. And nothing. And later on, it was these, if not these guys who interpreted this correctly, it were the people in the same office who killed Jesus who went to Pilate and said, let his blood be on our heads and on the heads of our children. Give us Barabbas. Crucify him. Yet they had the scripture. They knew the scripture. They could dig into the prophecies in scripture and they interpreted them correctly. And yet they completely missed Jesus. come back to that in just a moment. You see that, uh, of course, the, um, Herod tells the, um, the Magi the, to go and to uh, go find this baby, go find this newborn king and come back and let me know where he is because I want to go worship him myself. The Magi go and they find Jesus and it says they came and they worshipped him. They fell down, prostrate before this little kid. Maybe toddling around. Fall down and worship him, give him gold and frankincense and myrrh. We don't know how many Magi there were. We, people say three because there were three gifts. Could have been a pair. It could have been 50. Don't really know. But they gave them these costly gifts which really, because what you see immediately happen afterward is Herod realizes he's tricked when the Magi go a different direction. And he sends to um, have all the boys, two years old and younger, in Bethlehem to be killed. Now, Bethlehem was a small hamlet. It was a small town. It wasn't 
huge. So there's, there was maybe 20 of these kids, people thinking it's not, not a huge amount, although any is terrible. Okay, I'm not making light of it. Anybody horrible, but don't be thinking it was you know 500 or 1,000 little kids. It was probably you know maybe in the 20s, but still a horrible, horrible event where he was so jealous that he would go and have all the little baby boys killed in Bethlehem. You know, Mary and Joseph were warned in a in a dream to leave Bethlehem before this happens. But the gifts that the Magi gave to them, probably that's what sustained them while they were in Egypt. God knew well before that they were going to have to go to Egypt. Don't know if Joseph was able to work there or not, but they had money for the trip and they had money while they were there. They had plenty of resources to be able to raise this baby after they had left their homeland and had to go into a foreign country. To, um, to stay there while, while Herod was still ruling. Now let me get back a little bit to what happened when, when, uh, they, when they came to Herod and they s- went to the scripture because this is really uh, about worship. It's about worship because the wise men wanted to worship the king. And Herod says, I'm going to worship him. So is it the wise men have right worship and Herod had um, something else in mind, not worship at all. What's really striking about this, and when you when you look at the right worship and the right attitudes of the Magi versus really the Jews and Herod, is that the Jews, the 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 chief priests, the the ones that the scribes that they that he consulted, they had the scripture. They knew the scripture. They could go back into it and find it and interpret it correctly, and yet they missed Jesus altogether. Now, I know I'm not talking about anybody here, but it concerns me how much of the church is in the same position. How much of the church is, if, if somebody, that they have the scripture, we have it. Every Sunday, churches all over the, over the country, all over the world, but at, you know, in these four, about four or five hours, they are holding this Bible up. Every, uh, virtually everybody either has one of these in their hand or has one of these in their hand. And they're, they're looking at the scripture and how many of people in churches all over the country, all over the world, have all of this and yet they miss Jesus altogether. Like I said, I know I'm not talking to you. But it's something that we need to be thinking about. But here's my question for you. If someone off the street were to ask you the same question that Herod asked these, um, these scribes and these leaders, would you have the right answer? If they came, if they came in and said, Hey, I want to find Jesus. Would you just respond, I didn't know he was lost? Or would you be able to say, let me show you how to find him? Now, this often is scary for people. Okay, and I'm going to let me make a couple of disclaimers here. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be able to quote chapter and verse from every book of the Bible. You don't have to be able to, um, if, if somebody says, hey, you know what, how is it possible for there to be um, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you're talking there's one God. You don't have to be able to explain every little detail about every little facet of every verse in this great book. Okay? So everybody go, Phew. Because I can't. All right? Deal? 
But here's what I want to encourage everybody here. If you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, and I believe everyone here has, then you should have an answer if someone asks. Let me tell you the best way to do that. And I've, I've done this, okay? So this is, I'm not telling you something that, to do that I haven't done myself, okay? I, I had, a, I had a, a class, and this is one of the things that a professor had us do for an evangelism class. Write out your testimony. If you don't have, and maybe you have it on, on the top, out of your, top of your head or right in your heart, you've got it right there available. Maybe you do, praise God. But if you don't, write it out. Because the best thing that you can give to somebody is, is not verse after verse after verse, which that's important if you have that too, great. But the best thing that you can give is this is what Jesus has done for me. I want Jesus. Well, let me tell you what he's done for me. I was once X, Y, Z. You fill in the blank. I was once a, a sinner in this way. I was once in depression or I was once in pain or I was once lost. I was once... And this is how God has brought me along. Maybe it's, you know what? I've been through that situation that you're in. A lot of times that's the best thing because what, what happens is, is people have gods that are in their life, right? This is part, this is part of this whole, this whole thing, is that, that Herod was, was a false king. And here they've got the true king in Bethlehem. Herod is a false king. He's despicable. He's bad. He, he, you fill, fill in all the awful words that you can think of. That's Herod. You've got the, all the best words you can think of in Jesus, Right? So you've got the, the false and you've got the real, you've got the bad, you've got the good, you've got the, the one that is a tyrant and you've got the one who's the prince of peace. Right? Well, people feel, fill their lives with false gods. And I'm not talking always about, you know, maybe a, a little idol that you know, they burn incense to, which those are false too. But oftentimes people have you know, they put their hope in their job or they put their hope in their family. They put their hope in their relationship. They put their, their hope in things. They put their hope in their house. They put their hope in their bank account. They put, their, they put all of this. They, they, they live for, the, you know, NFL Sundays. They, you know, they, they, they say, oh boy, you know, um, they'll, they'll look at a, 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 a rock star or a, a, prof- a professional athlete or maybe a movie star and they'll they'll say, oh boy, if I could if I could just be like Garth Brooks or Kira Knightley, or if I could just be like this person, my life would be perfect. And then what happens is things fall apart. What they've placed their hope in, maybe they, maybe it's a job and they lose their job, or maybe it's a relationship and they lose that relationship, or maybe it's, you know, money and the stock market crashes and all of a sudden they're out of it. And it's at that point that you can say, you know what, I was there. And let me show you how Jesus brought me through. It's when we have answers to their questions that we can show them and say and point to Christ. Now, maybe maybe you've got some of the scriptures to back it up. Maybe you can say, hey, I know what the Roman road is. If you don't, look it up. You know, you can go through the different scriptures in Romans and show them. You know, this, and, you know, it says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. It says that you need to confess you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, that you'll be forgiven of your sin if you call on his name, right? You can show them all that. If you don't have it, it's okay. Just tell what Jesus has done for you. And if they have more questions, bring them to church. Say, hey, pastor, look, they have questions I can't answer. Can, we, can you help? And I might have to say, you know what? I'll get back to you. Let me find out. And that's okay. That's a valid answer, and it's okay. I don't have that answer, but I'd be glad to look it up. I'd be glad to get, to get you to someone who can answer it. And that's okay. But know what Jesus has done for you. If you haven't done it, write it out so that you know 
off the top of your head, if somebody comes to you like the wise men did and said, where is that Savior? You can point them to the right dire- in the right direction. You know, something else that really, it strikes me about this, this passage is that you have these Gentile astrologers. People that as far as we know of had never even heard of Yahweh, the, the true God. Maybe they had, I don't know, but it, that we, don't, we have no idea. They were 500 miles away. You have these, these people that right now we would say what they were doing is practicing a totally different religion. And yet, God shows them that there would be this baby, king of the world, born in Judea. God puts it in their heart. He puts it, he, it's like he put a big old sign in the heavens, right? That they saw and read, and God puts it in their heart to say, go and visit this child and worship him. Do you think he still does that today? You see, there's people walking up and down Main Street here all the time. There's people that live over over here, you know, out by the university, and you, you just your neighbors and friends, people that you work with. They don't know, they don't know Jesus. They have no idea who he is. A lot of people up here at the university who have, if they've heard of him, a lot of times they don't want to anymore. Do you think God is still speaking to them and saying, there's a king that you need to go worship? Where are they going to go to ask and find out? You see, I think a, a huge problem is, and the, the problem for the Jews, for Herod, is they already had a king. Herod was already king, and he didn't want there to be another king, right? Except for one of his sons that he handpicked. So when, he, when they came to Herod and said, hey, where is this king? He went, yeah, you show me where that king is and I'm going to take care of him because I've already got mine picked out. The Jews were, were, A, they were scared of Herod. They also were a, in a huge way in bed with the Romans. And the Jews were also, I think they had in their hearts another God. They didn't want at that time, they kept saying, we're looking for the Messiah, but when the Messiah came, a huge portion of them said, we don't want that kind of Messiah. We want the Messiah that we want, not the Messiah that God sent. Right? It was that we have our own God. We have a God that we have put together, an idea, a thought, is our God, not the king that God sends. And I think when you use the, there's a huge problem both with the church, and I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about all those other people out there, but also the world. I believe God's still speaking to people and saying, hey, there, there, there's a God you need to find. A lot of them have their own God. They have their own king already. Right? 
They're having some, they have someone that they trust in. They have an idea. They have a, a, a thing that they, they, they're putting their faith and their trust in. And they don't need another one. That, but what they don't know is that one's going to fail someday. And they will be in need. You see, I don't think the church has done as good of a job presenting the king that we have. And it's something that we really need to, to work on. Is we, we've done a good job of saying Jesus is Savior. And he is. But we also need to present him as the king to worship. I think of the sign that we had out here. Hope found here. It's awesome. That's great. It is. Hope is found here. Hope for salvation for your sins. Right? From your sins. Right? But there's also hope because God doesn't want you just to live a life of mediocrity. Why? Because there's a king. There is a just king. There is a righteous king. There is a king that um, wants to bestow wonderful gifts on his citizens. Hope found here. Because there's a king. So much of the church, they um, have actually lived by the, I don't know if you've heard this phrase, um, why shine the brass on a sinking ship? Anybody ever heard that? Why shine the brass on a sinking ship? So if, if, if the ship's going down, right, in the ocean, why make it pretty? Right? And the church has looked at the, the world around us and said, why shine the brass on a sinking ship? If the world is going to um, just going to go crash and burn, why do we need to make a difference? But if hope is found here, if there is a king who's going to make a difference, then we can give them hope. And we need to, if we turn our outlook differently and say, you know what? Things will change. Things can change. And let me show you the way. Once we start having the outlook, I think I told you all uh, um, about a month ago. I, I walked out of the, of the front door of the church one day and I said, what if I just looked at Willimantic differently? You know, you tend to think, you, you know, you walk out and, and so many times you see um, people walking down the, the street with um, the, the food that they just got at the um, the food bank or you know, you see people that are just, you, and, and when you're here, quite often you kind of get to know who they are. You see the same ones all, all the time. And you think about um, some of the, the lower income places around town, and you, you see the Hooker Hotel, or what was once, you know, down here, and you, you hear the stories of, of, the, of the drugs and the addiction. And in fact, we were talking to somebody um, just uh, the other day that we, a friend that we've known for years, but we saw they're in the grocery store and they're saying, they, they told us, you know, the heroin addiction is so bad and people are over ODing and, and people are just, that we got to do something about it. What if we started looking at Willimantic differently? And started going out and saying, you know what, this place could be the crown jewel of Connecticut. And I know many of you all who have been here a lot longer than I have, you're looking out going, I don't see any crown jewels out here, right? But what if we started looking at that? Because why? Because we're so good and we're so, you know, we've got all the answers. No, because there's a king. And because we are his ambassadors. We are his ambassador children. We are his citizens. We are his representatives. And you know what? He's given us authority to do so many awesome, great things. If we started looking at it and said, look what, this is going to be the crown jewel of Connecticut. Willow Manning's going to change for God. 
People are going to look at Willow Manic and say, you know what, this is, this is what it once was, but now it's this. It once was lost, but now it's found. It once was poor, but now it's rich. I'm not just talking about money. It once was an addiction, place of addiction. Now it's a place of freedom. It once was a, it once was a place where, where people were, were completely going the wrong direction. Now everybody's going the right direction. It once was a place where, where we had to have lots of, of, uh, of people employed with the, by the police and they were going out on calls all the time and now the police are, are all retiring because they don't have any calls anymore. Because it was a king born who has given his kids authority to walk in the earth. Without that authority, without the spirit, without those things that he's given to us, there wouldn't be any hope. But because of it, we have tremendous, tremendous hope. Everywhere we put our feet, God can give to us. So, number one, let's make sure we have an answer. Let's make sure we have an answer. Please, if you don't have your testimony down pat, and some of you have been Christians for a really long time. Praise God for it. If you have it there, just refresh yourself with it. Just make sure you know. We say, I'll just say this real quick. I was really, really, really convicted uh, a number of years ago. I had a, um, uh, I was, I was at the church. I was, I was working in the office, and and we lived right next door. And Ruth called me up, and she said. There's a couple of Jehovah's Witnesses that just came to the door. I sent him your direction. I went, thanks. <laughs> so they they came in and we struck up a conversation and they said, well, hey, can we come back? I said, let's do it. So about once, uh, I think it's about once or twice a month, they would come and we'd just sit down and we'd chat for a while. And I remember strikingly, one he, a guy told me one time, he said, you know, you guys have church services. You come in and, and you have a sermon and you sing and whatnot. He said, we come and we study on how to convert people. We come and we have a study on this is what you do to, to go and convert people to their way of, of, of uh, doing Christianity. And I went, boy, what are we doing? What tools are we giving everybody? Make sure you have the answer when somebody asks. Write it out. If you want to send, if you want to come up to me and say, "Hey, Pastor Ryan, this is what I'm thinking about. It. How, how does this sound?" You know what? Even better, find a friend that you know is not a Christian and say, "Here, would you read this and tell me your opinion?" We had to do that for class. I had to do that for class. Tell me what you think about this. How can I write this out better? Try it out. And then what I'm asking is that, number one, let's make sure that we have put Christ as our king. Right? He is our savior. Praise God for that. He's also a king that we do homage we, we serve, we, but also in that he's given us authority. More than anything this morning, let's have a mindset shift and then let that inform our prayers. And then if we're ready with our witness, right, we've, we've, got, that, we've got it right here on, on the tip of our tongue, and we're praying and saying, God, would you send his people? Then he's got, I believe with, <laughs> I believe with all my heart, he's got people out there that he's saying, He's pricking their hearts even this morning and saying, you need to find a Christian. You need to find somebody to, tell, to have them tell you about the Savior, to have them tell you how to get out of this, to have them tell you how to, to, to 
um, get into the place where you need to be, how to, to survive this world. He's telling them. We're praying for it to come in. He's going to hook the two up. Let's start believing for it. Let's have a mindset shift that we start looking and saying, look, God's going to do something great here. We're ready. We're ready. We're praying. We're ready. We're looking for it to happen. We're believing for God to do something great. It's all about worshiping the king. Herod had, he demanded worship in a really bad way. These Gentiles worshiped Jesus with all their heart. When we worship Jesus in this way, we'll be ready to share him. And we'll see him as the king that he is, ready to help us and ready to make a difference in the world around us. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, often on a Sunday morning I stand up and I pray for us and that's really good and we need to do that. Lord, I'm praying for those who are all around us this morning. All around these walls, all around the neighbors with everybody watching at home, wherever we go to work, wherever we go for entertainment, there are people that need you. There are wise men and wise women that are ready to seek you, that you are painting a picture in the stars, even especially at this time of year, saying there is a king and a savior to seek after. Lord, I believe you're doing that. Lord, I pray that you will do that more around here with our people talking about the neighbors and friends and family and and the the spheres of influence that we all have lord send them to us prick hearts prick minds let questions come up lord i i'm not asking for 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 hurt but lord let the the false gods that people have had in their lives, Lord, let those false gods fail in such a way that they end up seeking you and send them to us. We're ready. We want to share. Lord, I pray that this area, that Willimantic, Wyndham, um, northern New London County, this, this area right here in Connecticut, Lord, let it be become the crown jewel of Connecticut. Not because we have the brightest people in Connecticut, not because we have the most resources, not because we have um, uh, the, best, the best people and, and the hardest working people, Lord, but because this area will come to know you. And when, when, a, when a whole area comes to know you, you shower your blessings and you shower your life and you shower your grace and your mercy and your, your hope and your peace and your wholeness. Lord, let it happen right here. Let it be that this area is just like the Magi that will say, where 
is that king. We want to worship him. Let your spirit just come and convict this entire area to go and worship the king. We'll show him the way, Lord. We'll be the first ones. And Lord, I do bless all those here, those watching at home this morning. I speak your blessing of peace and hope. Continue to pray Psalm 91 over each person that nothing would come near their dwelling to hurt them in any way. No pestilence, no disease, no sickness, no danger that you would cause a, a thousand to fall at our right hand and ten thousand. Lord, that, that nothing would be able to come anywhere near to hurt any of us. Because we are your ambassador children. And we have a great king who can do that. And I pray for your blessings to fall. I pray for your hope to fall. Your provision, your divine provision. Divine provision for everything we need in life. Lord, whether that's finances, I pray for finances right now. For all those who are in need of finances in any way, Lord, I ask for your blessing. Lord, for hope, pray for hope right now. Many uh, right now need peace. So Lord, I impart, by the, by the authority that you've given to me, I impart your peace to each heart that needs it. Oh, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.